0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Revelation, chapter 4. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: There's brilliance and light emanating and sparkling from the throne like pop like almost like a fireworks type thing from the throne. And then red is all around the throne. Now, why did John or why did the Holy Spirit choose these two stones? Well, a couple of reasons I want to point out. Some scholars believe that the epistles of John, 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John are written after the book of Revelation. If that is true then it may explain why in the first letter John writes in 1 John chapter 1 verse 5, John says, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So the jasper stone speaks of light and then the sardis stone, as I said, reminds us of the blood and the blood reminds us of the love of God. So then John would write in 1 John chapter four, verse eight, "God is love, which links itself to the blood, to that ruby red stone. God is love, and God has shown His love to us." Romans chapter five, verse eight, But God demonstrated His love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, are you a sinner this morning? while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, the Bible teaches they pierced his hands and they put a nail in his side, in his feet. They planted a crown of thorns and they put it on his head. And then they took a spear and they put it in his side. And the ruby red blood of Christ came flowing from his veins. And God proved his love for me by shedding his blood for me. It was on the cross that God proved that he was madly in love with me and you. The cross is God's message of his love toward you. Don't ever question God's love. You want to see God's love? You want to know God's love? Then look at the cross because the cross is God's demonstration of his love for us So why these two stones? Well, here's another interesting point. In Exodus chapter 28, you might want to look this up in your own time, we read of the high priest. And the high priest, stay with me, the high priest wore a breastplate over his garments. And on this breastplate, there were 12 stones. One for each tribe of Israel, three columns, four rows, 12 stones representing the 12 sons of Jacob. And get this, get this, interesting enough, the first stone on the breastplate was the Sardis stone. And the firstborn son to Jacob was named who? Reuben. Reuben. Now, Ru means behold. And Ben, B-E-N, means son. Right? Behold the sun. And the last stone on the breastplate was the jasper stone or this diamond colored stone. And the last son of Jacob, the last son of the 12 sons, was named who? Benjamin. Very good. Which means son Ben, son Jamin, or Jamin. Benjamin. Uh, Sorry, I am so sorry. I'm sorry. Benjamin means what? Of my right hand. Benjamin means son of my right hand. So we have the firstborn on the breastplate and the lastborn on the breastplate. And it's very interesting, is it not, that Jesus said, I am the first and the last. So even, get this, even the names of the stones and the color combination gives us insight into the person on the throne. Very interesting, Jesus is at the right hand of God, Jesus is the son of my right hand, and I want you to notice something, what is the son of my right hand doing on the throne? What is he doing in verse 2? Notice the Bible says, one sat on the throne, now I find that interesting. He's sitting, not standing. He's sitting, not pacing back and forth in front of the throne. He is sitting, not freaking out. He's sitting, not biting his nails and looking over the edge of heaven and thinking, oh, there's no help with those people down there. No, he's just sitting. And he's resting on the throne. You see, God is is on the throne. God is always on the throne. And the same thing that, I, that, that John saw, all the prophets saw the same thing. Very interesting. Isaiah chapter 6, you look that up in your own time. Isaiah saw the Lord sitting high and lifted up on the throne. Ezekiel chapter 1, verses 26 through 28, it was in an afternoon vision or a lunchtime vision out by the river. Ezekiel saw the Lord on the throne. Daniel chapter 7, in a night vision, Daniel saw the Lord on the throne. God is on the throne. Amen. God is on the throne. And here's the good news. Here's the good news. God has never left the throne. You see, he was on the throne when Isaiah saw him. He was on the throne when Ezekiel saw him. He's on the th- he was on the throne when Daniel saw him. He was on the throne when John saw him. And guess what? If you look up, he'll still be on the throne. Rodney, you don't understand. I've got some serious problems, man. You just don't get it. You're right, I don't. But God is on the throne. He's still on the throne. He has never left the throne. God doesn't get a, a, a headache and have to leave the throne. Did you know that? God doesn't get a backache like we do when we sit a really long time and we get a backache and we got to stand up and leave the throne. Uh, that's not God. God is always on the throne. You know, it was Ray Stedman who tells this true story, actually. Um, He's a pastor of a church and a great theologian, and I love him and quote him often. But he tells a story about being in church. And you know that song that we sing, Our God Reigns? You know, our God reigns, reigns. You know that song, R-E-I-G-N-S, Our God Reigns? Well, one Sunday morning, true story, in his church bulletin, there was a typo. And it said, our God resigns. <laughs> you know, I thought to myself, you know, that's sad but true. But some people really think that. Some people really believe that our God resigns. Oh, i got a problem and, and God has resigned. I mean, where God, where are you? How come you're not answering me when I think you ought to? Where are you? You're not helping me. Where did you resign? And there are many people, unfortunately, sad but true, that believe that God has resigned. Listen, God never listen, God has never resigned from the throne. He was on the throne, He is on the throne, and he shall always be Don't forget it. Get a problem? Don't forget it. God is always on the throne. John saw him on the throne. He sat on the throne. Now, this is one last point, really interesting. In the tabernacle, get this, in the tabernacle in the Old Testament, the priest never sat down. Never. The high priest never sat down. When he got the work to do the duties of the tabernacle, he never sat down. Why? Because there were no chairs there. Real practical, (laughs) He never sat down because there were no chairs. Why? Because there was a continual sacrifice going on. He never could sit down because there was always something to do. Now, it's very interesting in this heavenly tabernacle, Jesus is doing what? He is sitting on the throne. Why? Because there's no need for a continual sacrifice because he is already sacrificed. Work is done. Price paid on the cross to tell us that it is finished Complete. Now, what does he do? Ah uh, He sits down. the priest. They never sat down. So these Christians, especially the Jewish Christians, they're reading this and they're saying, man, this is pretty awesome. Now, there's only one place in the Bible in the New Testament where we see Jesus standing. You know what that is? It's in Acts chapter 7. And why is he standing? Because Stephen, the first martyr of the church, you're hurling his big rocks on his head. And, he's, and, and he says, I, I looked up and he says, and I saw the Lord standing to receive him. That is the only time in the New Testament we see Jesus standing everywhere else. He's sitting because the person on the throne has completed the work of salvation. No more continual sacrifice. Now price paid to tell us die. You have been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. That's the same one who is sitting on the throne. The person on the throne, the prominence of the throne, the person on the throne, and thirdly, the proclamation of the throne. Notice in your Bibles in verse three, John saw a rainbow that was around the throne and the primary color was emerald or green. Now, the Greek word for rainbow is iris, and it's the same word that the Greeks would use for a halo. So John sees a halo around the Lord that was primarily the color of green. That green is the color of creation and nature. He sees a rainbow and it takes you back to what story? Noah. When God promised Noah, Noah found grace in God's eyes and the Lord Gave Noah a rainbow as a sign in nature that God promised to not destroy the earth with a flood again. So the rainbow speaks of grace. The rainbow speaks of peace. The rainbow speaks of promise. Now in Hebrews chapter 4, the writer tells us the name of the throne. It's in Hebrews 4.16. It says, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. The name of the throne is the throne of grace. Now, that's interesting. Notice it's not the throne of big bad God who's a meaning. It's not the throne of anger. Some people think God is angry. God is angry with the world and he's going to come down in judgment on the world. No, no, no. It's the throne of grace. Grace, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. It's the throne of grace. And if we come to that throne, we'll find grace. Not a mean God, but we will find grace the proclamation of the throne. And lastly, notice in your Bibles, in verse 4, the people around the throne. Now, there's differing opinions as to who these 24 elders are. A lot of speculation. Some people say they are heavenly beings or cherubim or seraphim. Some say that It's the 12 leaders of the tribes of Israel. And then even some people believe that it's the 12 apostles representing the church. Why? Well, if you notice in verse 4, the Bible says that they are clothed in white robes. They had these filthy garments, but they have been washed, and now they are white. And they have crowns of gold on their heads. Now, in the book of Revelation, there are two crowns spoken of. First of all, there's the king's crown or the diadem, the diadem. And then there is the victor's crown, the victor's crown. That's the Stephanos. Well, here, the crowns of gold is a reference to the victor's crown. In some way, these 24 elders have done something, some place in life, that they have earned a crown and God has given them this position before the throne. They have served the Lord and somehow God is, because they got victory. It's the victor's crown. They got victory. And it's an interesting thing. And what are they doing with their crowns? Later on, we'll find out. They're not polishing their crowns because they're proud of their victory. Hmm. You know what they're doing? They're casting their crowns before his feet. They're giving them back to him. They're not proud of their work. I've been serving the Lord for so long. I've done so much for God. God owes me this crown. It ain't big enough. My crown. I have served God. This is what God gave me. Nah. You know what these guys are doing? They're just taking the crowns off, just casting them in worship at the feet of the one who sits on the throne. You know, someday, Christian, you're going to get a crown. You will get a crown someday. Don't give up. Don't get tired. Don't get pooped out. Don't get discouraged you keep serving God. You keep pressing on to God. You will get a crown someday. And you know, even when people don't thank you, don't look for praise of people. Don't look for praise of man. Don't look for people to say thank you. Yeah, it's kind of nice when people say thank you, but don't, don't count on it. Don't because your reward is in heaven. It's in heaven that God will give you a crown. You come in and clean the church when nobody's ever here. And people come into a nice, clean vacuum, nice, clean chairs, are all straight. You guys will be blown away when you come in here at the end of around two or three o'clock today. This place is like a catastrophe. Your jackets, your coats. I don't know why nobody ever leaves me a wallet. <laughs> why? I mean, there's stuff all over the place. Well, somebody comes in and cleans and they vacuum the floor. Nobody ever comes up to them and says, I wonder who vacuumed the floor so I can go and thank them. Nobody ever does that. But you know what? God knows. God sees when you put polish on the pulpit and you put polish on that back there and you clean the place and you go in the nursery and you put up with all those children who are climbing up the walls and you've been changing poopy diapers for three years and nobody's ever thanked you. God knows. God sees. And God is taking account. And he will give you a crown for your faithful service. Now, just really quickly, in closing, get your pad. I want you to write these down. The Bible talks about five different crowns available, available to Christians. Five different crowns. Number one, we have the crown of incorruption. The crown of incorruption. First Corinthians 9.26 This crown is given to those who have lived a disciplined life, just wanting to be what God wants them to be. You know, I was praying that during my prayer, worship time this morning. God, I just want to be what you want me to be. That's all. And the Bible says there's a crown for those who are living a life and just wanting to be What God wants them to be. It's called a crown of incorruption. And then the crown of life. Secondly, James chapter 1 verse 12. This is a crown given to those who are patiently enduring their trials. Not whining through their trials. Not fighting against their trials. But patiently enduring their trials. The crown of life. And then thirdly, a crown of rejoicing. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 19. This is the crown of the soul winner. And this is the person who just simply preaches the gospel and wins people to Christ. The Bible says that God's going to give you a crown of rejoicing. It really is a rejoicing thing to lead somebody to Christ. I don't know if you ever have, but if you ever do, you'll be addicted. You'll be trying to win everybody to Christ. And God will give you a crown of rejoicing for that. A crown of glory. Fourthly, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 4, this is a crown given to those who are faithful to ministering and to sharing the word of God. A crown of glory. Just sharing with your family, your friends, people, wherever. And then fifthly, a crown of righteousness. Don't you love that? A crown of righteousness, 2 Timothy 4 8. And this is a crown given to all those who are waiting. For the Lord to come, every single Christian who is waiting for the coming of the Lord, the Bible says you will get a crown of righteousness. Now, why do you point that out, Rodney? Well, I point it out because I want to just make one simple statement. Getting a crown is not hard to do. It's not hard to do. It's very easy, as a matter of fact. The Bible says you'll get a crown just for living a disciplined life. You'll get a crown for being patient in trials. You will get a crown for soul winning. You'll get a crown for sharing the word of God. You will get a crown if you simply just patiently wait and keep your neck looked up to the coming of the Lord. You just keep that in your heart and in your mind. Jesus is coming someday. It's tough out here. I'm not getting the promotion I want. I just lost my job, but Jesus is coming someday. The Bible says if you just simply, simply, this is not Science work here, people. It's just simply waiting on Jesus. The Bible says that you will get a crown. It's not hard. It's not hard to get a crown from the Lord. Just simply eagerly anticipating his return. It is not a hard thing to do. Why? Because God knows we're not that quick. Say amen. That's you and me. I'm not quick. And God says, look, I, look, people, I want you to have a crown. I'm going to make it simple for you. Just simple. Just live for me. Love me. Share the word. Preach the word. Look for my coming, and you'll get a crown. Now, did you notice something in this chapter? Did you notice what is not in this chapter? In chapter 4 and chapter 5, actually. What is not here? Is the probably the most glorious thing, the most awesomeness. Is that a word? Awesome thing about this chapter and chapter five. You know what it is? I'll tell you. The most awesome thing about chapter four and chapter five is the fact that Satan is not in heaven. Say amen. Uh, you see, and see, that's why the Bible says now in heaven, see, that's why the Bible says in heaven there's no more sickness, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more suffering, no more crying, nothing. Why? Because the devil's not there. Satan is not in heaven. Satan will be in hell. Satan will be cast into hell in the heavenly kingdom. Satan will be cast into hell with the beast and the false prophet and the devil. They will all be enjoying hell together. But he's not in heaven. And that's a good thing because I'm in heaven. And you're in heaven. Amen? And, 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 and you don't want to be where Satan is. Ooh, deep theology. You don't want to be where Satan is. Hell. It's hot. Miserable. People are yelling all the time. It's awful. Heaven? It's beautiful. It's bright. There's God and music. I love music and love and joy and worship. Imagine there's no heaven? I think not. I will continue not only to imagine there is heaven but i'll continue to want to be there with all my heart and with all my soul i will continue to study the word and find out as much as i can about the place that i plan to spend eternity that's what i want to do when i get to heaven i don't want to be ignorant i want to know where everything's at so i can find my way around and so do you Who doesn't want to be in heaven? We all do. And you can be in heaven. Jesus said, I'm the way to heaven. He told his disciples, I've gone to prepare a place for you, stand on your feet. He told his disciples, he said, I've gone to prepare a place for you. And he said that 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 I'm going to come again and receive you. Think about it like this. Heaven has been in preparation, at least from a biblical standpoint, for 2,000 years. What a place it will be. What a home he has for you, if you know him.
0: You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time.